Tonight being New Year's Eve, I have titled my talk, New Year, New Life. New Year, New Life. Interestingly enough, this theme of newness of life is a theme that you find throughout the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament. In fact, you heard some of that tonight in, in tonight's readings. For instance, in that first reading from the Old Testament prophet of Ezekiel, in chapter 36, we read the prophet who says, as he's speaking on God's behalf, God's saying to his people, I will gather you from the nations and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you. Sounds like baptism. And you shall be clean from all your sin. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Cause you to be obedient, to walk as I always meant you to walk, and to be careful to obey my rules or my laws, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and, and I will be your God. And so this promise of divine transformation, they were one thing and God makes them another. A promise of a new life. Or famously, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is united to Christ through faith, that person is a new creation. The old has passed, and behold, the new has come. Or in the reading from tonight, Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writing to the believers at Rome. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized or associated or spiritually united with him in his death? Indeed, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, you too or we too might walk in newness of life. And so as I was thinking on this theme of new year, new life, I thought to myself, and so how different would it be in our lives in 2023 if we were to journey even farther in this newness of life, perhaps with more faith and more joy and more hope and exercising more love in 2023 than perhaps we did in 2022. Now this idea of growing more and more is a biblical one. And so we read when Paul wrote to the believers at Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, he, he wrote this, Finally, brothers, we ask you and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us as apostles of the Lord how you ought to walk or live before God to please Him, just as you are now doing, even in 2022, we urge you to do so more and more. And so tonight I'd like us to take a few minutes to think on these things beginning with the question about more faith. 
Indeed, how different would our lives be in 2023 if we had more faith? Well, amongst other things, one, one of the things that more faith would produce or the, the effect would be our relationship with God. And that, that we would become more focused and that our relationship with God would become perhaps more rewarding, at least more rewarding than it was in this last year. And it's, it's an intensifying, a growing, a more and more kind of experience. Indeed, there's an interesting verse in the letter to the Hebrews that speaks to this, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, where we read famously, For without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he exists and believe that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. <laughs> Never feel sorry for somebody who's seeking after God because God is the rewarder of those who seek him. And so faith pleases God. It's not, and maybe it doesn't please others, or maybe it pleases some of, of the people that you know, and, uh, but it pleases God. Indeed, God rewards those who believe in Him and seek Him out. And so more faith and more seeking of God, with that faith, our relationship with God will become more focused and more rewarding as it relates to New Year's resolutions, that seems a pretty good one, that I would walk more faithfully with God in 2023. But not only that, with more faith and more trusting in God and entrusting our lives to Him, the things that so often cause us worry would weaken. And the peace of God within us as we entrust ourselves to Him will be strengthened. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a major area in my life. I, I remember having a lunch with somebody, and he described me as happy-go-lucky. Well, I, had to, I took about five minutes to tell him that his perception is wrong. <laughs> now, I do have a... I, I have, would describe myself, generally speaking, as a happy person, but the happiness, I'd have to tell you, it comes from God. It is a, a gift, and we'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about more joy. But I, I tell you, one of the things that I am constantly struggling with, and maybe I can find one or two of you uh, in the church uh, tonight that might say, yeah, me too, and that is worry. I'm constantly having to check that in my mind, worrying things, especially about things over which I really don't have any direct control. But if in 2023... I can manage to be more faithful and more trusting in God than those things that so often worry me will weaken and the peace of God within me as I'm trusting myself to Him will be strengthened. Indeed, Paul talks about this in a famous passage in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and beginning at verse 6. When I read it, you'll no doubt if you didn't know the reference, you have heard it many times. Philippians chapter 4 and beginning at verse 6. And do not be anxious, and notice the, the superlatives. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, talking to God about it, 
and supplication. That's a kind of prayer. Lord, this is what I need. With thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. You put me in this position. I need your help. And I'm thanking you because I know you're going to come through. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything or every circumstance, if you like, by prayer and with supplication. With thanksgiving to God, let your requests be made known to God. And look what happens when you do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it surpasses all understanding because it has no root in your circumstance. Your circumstance may very well stay the same. But God is at work. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He, he will not come and probably remove you, although he does sometimes. He may not come and remove you from the problem. He will give you what you need in order to endure, and not only endure, but rejoice in the midst of the trial. And that's a peace that surpasses all understanding because there's no earthly or human reason why you should have peace. But God gives it. Because you exchange and you give it to him. J. Hudson Taylor, who was a famous English missionary and the founder of the China Inland Mission back in the 19th century, he said, this, he said, are you having a problem? And I do this, by the way. I stole this little tool from J. Hudson Taylor. He said, are you having a problem with worry? He says, do this. He says, give everything to God and then you'll have nothing left to worry about. And so that's what I do. I said, Lord, I, I give my ministry to you. I give my finances to you. I give my daughter and I give my wife and I give my friends and I give. And then after I've given it all up, you know what I do? Well, I just relax. Because he's got it. And the peace of God that passes all understanding fills my heart. And so that's how our lives will be different in 2023 if we have more faith. And then how different will our lives be in 2023 if we have more love? Well, seemingly, with more love, our relationship with God and others would become more authentic. Meaning that our relationship with more love, our relationship with God and with others would become more like what God has always meant those relationships to be. In Matthew's gospel, there's a famous scene in the life of Jesus where Jesus gives his this famous summary of the law. I mean, what's it all about? How would you, Jesus, how would you put it in a nutshell for us? Which he says is to love God and to love others. And he presents it as the authentic center of what it means to be a true child of God. To love God and to love neighbor. And so we read in Matthew 22, beginning at verse 34, and one of the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, with the, which greatly pleased them because the Sadducees were religious rivals of theirs. And as they gathered together, one of the Pharisees, a lawyer, an expert in religious law, asked Jesus a question to put him to the test. And he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
And Jesus said to the man, as others were there and listening on, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. If any of you, if you think you've managed it all in 2022, I would ask you that as I'd ask myself. Are you loving him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength? I don't know about you, but me, I'm a work in progress. And I'm loving him with as much of my heart and soul and mind and strength as I seem to be able to do. But I'll tell you this, in all honesty, I'm pursuing him. And when I fail, I talk to him about it. In fact, I talk to, talk to some of you about it too. As James said, and confess your sins one to another. But Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor the way you want to be loved. In fact, to love your neighbor as God loves you. I don't know about you, I need grace. And I value grace. To me, grace is beautiful. Grace sometimes referred to as unmerited favor. It's God's divine favor that you don't earn. He just gives it to you as a gift. And mercy is delivering you from some punishment that perhaps you deserve. I want mercy too. And it's beautiful that God is merciful to me. And if you really think grace is beautiful... And, that you, and you marvel at the beauty of mercy, you'll practice it with others. Whether they appreciate it or not, it's, it's beautiful in itself. And that's all that matters. In fact, think of all the things God would stop doing just because we don't appreciate what he does. <laughs> but he keeps on doing it because it's good and it's beautiful. And so, with more love, our relationship with God and others becomes more authentic, meaning that our relationship both with God and others becomes more like what God always meant them to be. In addition, with more love, we become more like God, which we kind of just touched on very briefly. Sometimes people balk at this. Well, I'm not God. No, you're not. But if you're a believer in, in Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be trying. <laughs> in fact, this comes from Jesus, and it's repeated by the Apostle Paul. In fact, you remember that whole um, section in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talked about loving your enemies. And he said, anybody can love a friend. A mafia boss loves his friends. That's no great, huge of, uh, uh, achievement. That's not a higher virtue. That just comes natural without even any effort. But loving an enemy and showing kindness and grace and mercy and love to an enemy. Now that's virtue. In fact, it's not just virtue. It's divine virtue. And that was, that's Jesus' argument in uh, Matthew chapter 5. He says that's how God loves how God loves others. He causes the rain to fall and the sun to shine on his friends and his enemies. And so Jesus draws the conclusion. He says, and so you too, you be perfect in love as your heavenly Father 
is perfect, meaning you don't just love your friends, you love your enemies as well. You do what God does for you. And in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, be ye imitators of God, and he directly links it to our, the claim that we make all the time, and that is that we're the children of God. He says, be ye imitators of God as dear children. In my home, I hope, I'm meant to be an example to my daughter. Well, she's about to get married now, so this is kind of not just exactly the case, but anyway, when she was younger, to exemplify what it means to walk. In fact, when we, when we baptize children and we meet with the parents and the godparents, and before, the day before the, the baptism, we say that, that now this child doesn't know what's happening to him or her any more than in the, 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 when the people of, when circumcision was the, was the primary sign of the covenant and they circumcised the little boy on, on the eighth day. He didn't have any clue. But as the child grows up and we treat the child as a member of the covenant community, the parents primarily, together with the whole family of God, are directing the child, not only by words, but by example of what it means to walk with God. I, uh, as, a, as a father, as, as a parent, one of, the, one of our jobs is, is to demonstrate to the child who's just only learning about God to be able to see God in us. That we're kind and merciful and protective and provisional, and all the things that God does with us. But with the addition of more love, we become more like God. The Apostle, Paul, or Apostle John talks about this in his letter, in his first letter, 1 John, in chapter 4. One phrase will stand out to you, because it's a very famous phrase. But John wrote this, he said, Beloved, he's talking to the community to which he's writing, beloved, beloved by God, beloved by him. <laughs> he's their pastor. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. <laughs> and whoever loves has been born of God. In other words, he's saying, if you're loving, that's because you're God's child. For whoever loves has been born of God and knows God has a relationship with God. People who are born of God, who are the true children of God, who have a relationship with God, you know what they do? They love the way God loves. Anyone who does not love, he says, does not know God. Because God is love. And in this is love not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the satisfactory payment for our sins. He showed us, he showed how much he loved us by giving everything up to gain us. And he says in the last verse, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. God's invisible. But he says, if we, this is breathtaking. Listen, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We, through love, make the invisible God visible. 
And so that's how our lives will be different in 2023 if we have more love. And how different will our lives be in 2023 if we were to have more joy? Faith, love, joy. For many people, this would make a huge great difference because true joy, that is God's joy, is a rare experience. And still, true joy is the birthright of every true believer. According to the psalmist, in Psalm chapter 16, or the 16th Psalm, as we should say, the psalmist says that joy is the supernatural byproduct of an authentic relationship with God. And so in Psalm 16, in verse 11, the psalmist says, Oh God, in your presence. He's, he's, he's given a personal testimony. He's talking to God about how he experiences God. Oh God, in your presence, which I love, <laughs> he says. In your presence is fullness of joy. Not just some joy, but fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Joy in all of its fullness and joy that never ends. And so, according to the psalmist, joy is a supernatural byproduct of an authentic relationship with God. According to Peter... Just a slight twist. Joy is a supernatural byproduct of an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just frivolous. Joy isn't just a frivolous thing. Joy that comes from God is a gift that's not rooted in, in circumstance, but is, as Paul says in another place, the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is in you, you will have the fruit of joy. But Peter, writing to his community, a community, by the way, that was under great pressure, and they were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. But he wrote this, In this you rejoice, meaning in context all the things that God has done for you. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold. Notice what he's saying. Your faith is tested to prove its genuineness. Anybody can talk about faith and not be tested. The truth and the genuineness of your faith comes out when it's tested, either as a true faith or not. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, being more precious to God than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're tested and you pass the test and you will be praised and honored and glorified by God when Christ returns, is what Peter is saying. And then he goes on. And though you have not seen him, seen Jesus Christ, you love him. Peter had seen him, but the people that he was writing to and the people he was pastoring, they had never seen him with their, their own eyes. 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. (laughs) And so that's how our lives will be different in 2023 if we have more joy, finally. And how different will our lives be in 2023 if we have more hope? More hope. Indeed, for many people, this would make all the difference. Because hopelessness, even amongst the well-to-do, is more common than one might think. In fact, I remember Scott McKee saying one time, he said, you know, in this neighborhood, there's plenty to eat. But it's in this neighborhood that you'll find the guy who drives a BMW and he's hanged himself in his closet. Right? Even in this neighborhood, there's a great need for hope. Even Thoreau, you remember, said famously, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. But as with joy, hope is our birthright as true believers. God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in that famous passage, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. This is so dear. But this is what God is saying to you tonight as he's been saying it to his people for millennia. And God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hope. The Apostle Paul writing to the Romans speaks of hope. Romans chapter 5 beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, given a right standing before God by believing in His Son, we have peace with God. There's no longer a hostile relationship, but one of peace. The God who says of the Son, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And when we're united with Him in faith, the Father looks at us and sees us in the Son and He says, everything's okay between you and me. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through Him we also... Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all the things you worry about will be provided to you. This is, listen, this, this, is, this is not all there is. This isn't, this isn't, what we're experiencing now when you relate it to the everlasting state doesn't even, doesn't even measure up to being the threshold of your experience. And if you belong to God, this is the threshold of an experience called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom will last forever. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When Paul describes Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1, he describes him as Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) Christ in you. And when he's in you and you sense him there and he's speaking to you and you have ears to hear, he gives you hope. 
Or as I was just reading this last week as I was wrapping up the Old Testament in a two-year Bible reading plan that I feared I wouldn't be able to finish, but I, I got her done. <laughs> in the last two years, I, re I read the, the, the Gospels in this particular reading five times and read through the whole Old Testament once. But I got it done. But in Nahum, this stood out to me. In the, in the New Living Translation, Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7, the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes, and He is close to those who trust in Him. That's hope. He's my refuge, and He's close to those who trust in Him. I've always appreciated what that Cuban pastor said. He said, everything here is difficult, but nothing is impossible because God reigns. <laughs> because God reigns. Don't you forget that in 2023. Come what may in 2023, God reigns. And because he does, we can have hope. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we're praying your blessing on this next year. That you would do supernatural things in us. And as we come together because you're doing supernatural things in us, when we come together, you would do supernatural things amongst us. And you will receive all of the glory because the things that are happening in us and the things that are happening among us won't be things that originated with us. Even as Paul said, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. They will be things that originate with you. And so all the praise and honor and glory will go to you even as we get to enjoy your working through us as you're working in us. Bless us, Lord, because we've, we value your blessing. True blessing and peace, not as the world gives, as Jesus said, but as you give and joy and increase in faith, as the man said, Lord, I do believe, but help thou my unbelief. Do these things for us, Lord. In 2023, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.